I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Great case to me. Mm-hmm. What is it when you're watching an American movie and they decide to throw in some random Australians and New Zealanders? It's weird, isn't it? Here's the thing. You can't cast someone as recognisable as Jermaine Clement, who we all know is a New Zealand actor, and make him do an American accent. But then you have Brendan Cowell doing an Australian accent, and you're like, Brendan Cowell's just here. What is that? <laughs> so I guess the same kind of thing. You're watching like an Australian show, and all of a sudden an American turns up, and their accent grates against what you've been sort of used to. But it's particularly weird for us as Australians, isn't it, to see an Australian just in the middle of this. It's not that his, just to be clear, it's not that Jermaine's American accent was bad. It was just a weird choice to make him American. And when they're in bit parts, so you know they're just Mm. there to be like, oh, Jermaine's in it for a bit. Well, what's the point? And also, he's not doing any comedy. It's a very straight role, which just didn't, I just felt like he might have been a bit miscast there. Not that he was bad, it was just a weird choice. Hi there, this is I Only Like You and Movies. My name is Lonnie. Her name is, what is it again? Sine. Sine. Oh, that's right. Hey, how are you doing, Sine? I can't believe you keep forgetting. <laughs> this is ridiculous. How are I'm you? riffing on the joke. It's yeah. yeah. I'm good, thanks. I'm. It's 40 degrees here in Melbourne at the moment. I'm not okay. <laughs> oh, God. I think it's well. going... Going to my head a bit. Well, hang in there, okay? It's going to be a three-hour podcast because we <sighs> got a lot to talk about for this movie. Avatar, Why? the way of water. <laughs> what is the way of water, Sine? A three-hour presentation about the limits of CGI. Wow. A slideshow, a PowerPoint slideshow on how realistic we can make things look but also part nature documentary. Wow. Should James Cameron be going into some sort of like protective custody at the moment? Because you're going to come from this episode, aren't you? Listen, James, Jim, Jimothy. Um, I really hope someone gets that. I love you, right? I'm really real pleased for you. But these movies for me... It's literally just like it's nice to check in with what CGI can do, you know, every 10 years or so. It's like the Apple updates, you know. Mm. Like they do a big presentation. It's like this is what our technology can do. Great. Love to see it. I'm really happy for you. I'll see you in another 10 years, I guess. Like that's the care factor I have about these movies. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Computers are cool. The end. (laughs) That's all you got from this, was it? That's all I got. I was reminded of Roger Ebert. So I think it's his review of Pearl Harbor. He said it's a mm-hmm. it's a two hour movie stretched to three or something. He said it better than that, but something like maybe something that's the first three hour movie, first two hour movie told in three hours, something like that. Because this definitely felt like a lot of padding, right? So much padding. And I know it's not padding in the sense of they're doing something just to 
doing nothing just to keep us there. What I mean was, there's a really good story, I think, in there somewhere. It just gets repeated. It goes in circles for a bit. <sighs> and yeah. Yeah, there is an H documentary part of it. And you're right, definitely cool. But I, I wish there was, you know, there are various type of reasons to go to the movies. A lot of the reason is storytelling, right? And to have great yeah. tight storytelling up there on the screen and to be swept away in the world. And for me, I wasn't particularly swept away in the... I guess I was, but you know, I, I felt like I was sitting around for a long part of it. And, and once it got like better I... again, I was like, oh, cool, I am back into this. But it took me... I was out of it for a while during that, you know? I don't think you and I have an emotional connection to this movie. Is that fair to say? No, and, and I th- think part of that is like there are children, like kids of the characters in the first movie there, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But they're in peril. I'm like, oh, I don't really know who you are. I can't okay. tell you apart. I don't know what your names right. are. This movie is the most compelling case there has ever been for only having a couple of a kid of kids, right? If you've got more than two... Every time they help one, another one's off doing something else. <laughs> Honestly. Do, do you mean they, having they, kids in, in the movies or having children as in you should only have a couple of kids? In real life. In real life. I, okay. think, I think it makes a compelling case for it. I'm just saying they have a conversation with them and say explicitly, do not go do this thing. Next minute, turn around, they're off doing the thing. Then they get one back and then the other one's off doing something else. I just, at, at the end of the day, I mean... Maybe they deserve to oh, die. Okay. Interesting perspective. Not children in real life. <laughs> five minutes in and we were already hitting this sort of ground. I don't know. I just like, oh, they're just so annoying. They're just so annoying. Yeah. And, oh. Well, I, I agree with you. Too many kids, too much mischief. Definitely. That's, that's a problem. But it, it's kind of strange to me. It felt very old school. We've got a movie here coming out in 2022, which has been in development for a long time, which may explain it. And we've a filmmaker who's from that old generation as well. But mm-hmm. like, is is the best that we can come up for for conflict with characters being there are two groups of teenagers and they're sort of fighting each other and they're getting dared to do the to go out to the area they're not supposed to go to, like, in some ways that was familiar and you know it's kind of kind of riffing on that classic tale but also i'm like i've seen this a million times like i know we're blue people and we're in the, in the ocean but it, it kind of was that classic we've got to fight a few times before we're friends because mm-hmm. we're teenagers you know even the subversion was cliched the bit where he like doesn't dob him in the enemy in because he's a bigger person and then they're like what mm. did you do that for and like i've seen that 15 times yeah it, it kind of it felt like a copy paste of things you might have seen you know, like Disney movies and stuff from, from our childhood, yeah. but put into this other world. And even the ending, which which I thought was very well done, but like there's a certain point where you're like, oh, Titanic. You can't just you can't help but, but think of it, right? There are too many parallels. <laughs> sinking ship, yeah. running up the ship as it's sinking. Yeah. Had a shot exactly like that in Titanic. The electric lights flickering as the electrics go, seen from that. The thing about not having enough air and needing to hold your breath and go down to find something. Mm. Like, 
does he only have one movie he can make? Like, and he just keeps making this for the rest of his career? Is that what we're doing here? Or... Yeah, I mean, I don't mind having a reference and stuff. It's cool. and must... But it didn't feel self-aware. It didn't feel like a self-aware reference. Yeah, and it, it kind of means, I mean, you got a ship and you got a notion it's going to sink. I, I guess that's the kind of Chekhov's gun here, isn't it? Like, in this sort of sort of thing. <sighs> but as we, as we saw in the pitch meeting, it's like there's a whole army of um, Navi out there to help but they just leave the first pit. So it's just Jake and his family. And so that could have been a point of difference, having a whole army of people on the Titanic and they're doing stuff together, fighting around yeah, it. As it's it sinks, just two you know. guys in the end that are having a fist fight. Yeah. Like, cool, great, wonderful. Uh, I don't know. Listen, I wrote my notes about this film a long time ago, so I'm trying to, like, make sense of them. I've written um, rescuing the guy and not saying anything. Oh, the dad. That's what that's to do with. There is no plausible reason why Spider wouldn't have told them. The only reason is so that they can set up a sequel. And I hate that so, so much. So, so much. Do you hate Spider in general, though? Yes. I've written down baby (laughs) Justin Bieber. He's baby Justin Bieber. You tell me he doesn't look like Justin Bieber? I liked him. Why? Why? This idea of, like, we've got all these blue people and they're just, like, a little ratty kid hanging out with them <laughs> no you're incorrect um <laughs> i could try to give you a bit of leeway every now and then with film opinions he, but no you're just wrong in this he, one he doesn't want to wear pants he's just like i don't know. i haven't listened to it all yet but on the weekly planet they spoke about about this movie <laughs> it's like you know you're hanging around your family at christmas time or like on some holidays and it's just a kid from down the street is always hanging around with you <laughs> Like, don't you have a home yes. to go to? Why are you always here? <laughs> but I, I like uh, that in the sense of like fan family and, and whatnot. And no, but this is my thing. He spends the whole movie talking about fan family and how he feels like he's one of the Navi and one of their families. And yeah, even he fucks um, yeah, and then he fucks him over. Doesn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, and there's not even really. There's one moment that could be called bonding where he's flying with the dad and it's like, huh, dad, you're so lame. It's this. This is how you say it with the accent, correct? And it's like, what are we doing here? How much did this movie cost? And the problem is so much money because James Cameron can make whatever movie he makes and because of that, he doesn't have to consult with anybody. It's really and weird I, though that, he, but he makes money too, Sine. It's made a billion dollars already. It's only been a few weeks. But it is so poorly written. The dialogue, the dialogue. Can we just get someone on just to have a look at the dialogue? Can we do like a Phoebe Waller Bridge for what did she get to, in to consult on? James Bond or something like that? Mm, no. Can we just do a little situation like this? You know, can we just have someone else read it and give their feedback? <laughs> I'm just asking the question. Well, it's interesting you say that because it's actually like a writer's room scenario for this. Um, yeah, and they all would have gone, yes, Mr. Cameron, you're perfect and wonderful. Thank you so much for our paycheck. <laughs> you're telling me you want to be the one person in the room that stands up for James Cameron when he's making a whatever billion dollar movie? Yeah. He's I've, always going to say no. no I, I, I totally agree. What I'm getting at is interesting that it wasn't just him. There was a writer's room scenario going on. but How? Yeah, no. <laughs> And two of the writers, I didn't realise, they did two of the writers for this one. There's like a whole writer's room, but they wrote this one together, if you know what I mean, story by, screenplay by sort of situation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they have been behind the Planet of the Eight movies, the reboots from the last couple of years, which are much better than this. But I guess that's the Matt Reeves effect rather than the James Cameron mm-hmm. thing going mm-hmm. on. I mean, we, we should say it's a, it's a monumental film, though, and it's very beautiful. And the fact that this happened, right, it's a massive production that, you know, we even got a movie after 10 years of development problems or whatever is is pretty amazing right don't get me wrong sure but you're right i wish it was just better in terms of the writing and the i just have no emotional connection to it no it and it, it's it's that detachment for us i think is it's like i can appreciate you've done a great mm-hmm. you know piece of art here yeah it's not grabbing me yeah that's it that's it mm-hmm. what i'll say about mm-hmm. this thing is that a lot of movies come out these days a lot of these cgi big action ones and it's just a lot of like sludge on screen and the camera is just sort of there watching the actors as there's no sort of inventiveness and i think i said this about ryan johnson it's like so good to see a movie that's actually directed you can feel there's like someone in charge of it i will say about this as well it does feel like there's he's got he's got an opinion and he's got a sort of artistic vision my issue is that i'm not proud by that personally but it is good to see a movie that feels directed do you agree? Yes, yeah. I agree. I'm not saying it's it's poorly made. No, it's not Because it's definitely not. I just don't care. One thing I will say, Sunane, and I'm not I'm not afraid of single slipper in this this bit. Oh god. Zoe Saldana. Yes. Wasted, right? Absolutely. All she does in every scene is cry and yes. go, huh. Yeah. And she's pregnant the whole time, right? Like that was cool to see her still be a warrior whilst pregnant, but no. Okay, let's talk about some of the actors then, if we're going into here. We've already spoken oh, okay. about Jermaine and Brendan. Zoe, I agree, was completely wasted. Yeah. Question for you. Hmm. You're going to make a movie, and the movie that you're making is going to have CGI characters, right? Yeah. So all the actors need to wear mocap suits and have dots on their faces so we can animate their expressions. So it's really important to get the most expressive face that we can get so that we can actually have some emotion show through in the end product. Who springs to mind as having a really expressive face, um, a really interesting look about him, um, definitely not just blankness across his eyes the whole time. Did Sam Worthington pop into your head at all? Like, do you really cast him? And I know it fits with his character. I get that. He's a soldier and I guess it works. Ah, oh, just like he's given me nothing. Wow. He's given you me nothing. You hate our Sam. I can't believe this. I don't hate our Sam. I just think it's interesting to cast the most unexpressive <laughs> face in a movie that is solely relying on now, expression. I would agree with you for the first film. It's, it's not his best work. And it wasn't one of his early things, so that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That, I, I was really on board with Jake Sully in this movie. Oh, I'm okay. not saying that just to annoy you. I, I thought he was cool. I liked All him right. being a dad. I liked him like laying down the law. I don't know why I had to do it like three times. Every single child, yeah. Stupid kids, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, for some reason, I went from watching him in the first one. I rewatched it before this came out. I was like, oh, yeah, he's there. He's a bit bland, and but you know, he's supposed to be bland, unique bland sort of thing. But this, I, I, I was on his side and I thought he was, he was cool. It's good. No? Can I tell you about my conspiracy theory? Okay. I'm moving on from that. Okay. Now, 
I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I want to lay that down now, mm-hmm. especially after the past couple of years we've had. Here's my conspiracy theory. Sigourney Weaver signed on to do an extra movie and they didn't realize that they'd already prom- promised her that she'd be in a sequel. She has some clause in her contract and they're like, ah, shit, we killed her off. But contractually, we're obliged to put her in this film. I know, her voice, isn't it just the epitome of a 17-year-old girl? No, it's not. I, I literally can't think of any other reason why they would have done that. Well, yeah, it's weird. I'll, I'll give you that. I think it's like a Jesus thing, right? I think she's... What she, do you mean a Jesus thing? Well, she's... You and Lauren were talking about this. Explain it to me. Virgin mother. Right. Um, Is it <laughs> full stop or...? <laughs> no, well, that's a, big, that's a big Jesus thing, right? Having been yeah. born without having a father. I guess so, so yeah. Sort of not knowing what's going on there. She's got a special mm-hmm. connection with nature and, and on this planet god is <laughs> yeah. nature Ewa is god that sort of thing so i think that's part of it and i've seen people talk online about how you know old mate spider is like a judas because he's betrayed his family he's betrayed the new jesus sort of thing i guess that could be part of it is this a christian movie is this like when I found that book at the secondhand store and it was like multiple stories by different authors, like all on the same theme? And I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And then I opened it to a random page and it was talking about God and Jesus. And I realized it was from the um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that the situation? We've all gone to see Avatar and it's actually a religious text. I mean, potentially. I think Jesus is pretty important to a lot of things and that's, it's easy to make an allegory. I don't know if it's necessarily that. I have seen commentary about this. It's like, you know, let's let's show the the side of the oppressed and the the quote unquote American invaders, the colonists, are the bad guys here. Let's be on the native side of the story, mm. but at the same time, let's make all the machinery the coolest thing ever. And they got these yeah. these mad guns and, and <laughs> so like, you're kind of having it both ways there. Like this is terrible, but it's cool at the same time. Um, yeah. so make up your mind and I guess that's oh, that's that quote about every war film is a pro-war film because you can't depict war without sort of saying that it's great even if you're trying to say it's bad mm. you know what I mean interesting Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, what do you think of the fact that they brought back the 
baddie from the first god made him a avatar now. Makes no sense. Convoluted. Not rooted in reality at all. Wow. Or even logic. Because I feel like people are going to be like, yeah, it's not realistic. It's animated. Yeah, I get you. But logically, why would you bring back the guy who failed on the first mission? Ever. You wouldn't. You'd try a different approach, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd literally try a different approach. I, I just, this is what I struggle with with this narrative. There are just things that I just don't understand. Like, it feels like these little kinks should have been ironed out in the first draft. Yeah, and I think some of it, like, his thing is that he's the best person to try and kill Jake Sully because he's got that personal vendetta because Jake killed his human, no. right? It means your judgment is clouded and you're not going to be acting logically. You're going to be reacting emotionally. Yeah. The question is, like, why is Jake Sully so important to them? Yeah. It's because well, he's, he's the main character. Them. The, he's the main character of the story. Yes. I guess, is the thing. <laughs> but, like, you go back to Terminator, which is kind of a similar thing about we've got this massive army wants to kill one guy, being John mm-hmm. Connor or Sarah Connor. There's a good reason for that because he's the leader of their resistance in the future, right? You can see the parallels to this movie. Yeah, but that makes a bit more sense because they're going back in time to do it, and if they kill him then or kill her, then that sort of solves their problem in the future. This one is kind of like, yeah, let's kill him because he's the, he's the guy we want to kill. Let's put all the army's efforts into killing him, and it's right. He's like a symbolic figurehead for the, for all the Navi. I get that, but it's like all the time he spent trying to kill Jake. Could you just like finish your mission of taking over the rest of the of the planet? Yeah, like, if they just continue on their mission, wouldn't they end up killing him probably Mm. by, um, like, as a result of that anyway? Yeah. Like, why does it have to be targeted against him? Yeah, this thing is very personal. And it's funny, the whole whole story is, like, Jake trying to hide out and protect his family and protect everybody. Mm. And at the end, he's like, well, I can't do that anymore. (laughs) Oh, okay, cool. Great. Yep. So in that sense, I think it's it's very much the second movie of a series that's going to be at least three or four. It's just... One of the middle ones. You know, it's not like the final climax, everything's coming together. It's just like, here's their second battle. <sighs> I just feel like this narrative structure is so unbalanced. Mm. I feel like we had an hour, maybe half an hour, doing the same thing as the first movie. Mm-hmm. Then we had a nature documentary for about two hours, and then we had a final battle scene. I don't know why there was a David Attenborough doco. But there, there's quite a bit of animal violence in this. I should mention that up front mm. for people who don't like that, like me. I found that very upsetting. They harpoon a whale. They kill a whale. They kill mm. a cub. Uh, that was just a bit too much for me. Well, it's, it's kind of um, the same thing as before, isn't it? It's like, let's create these beautiful imaginary creatures and that's the film of like it's a David Attenborough documentary. And it's yes. And that's a killing as well. <laughs> Make up your mind. Yeah. Are we saying nature's great or are we saying... That, I guess that's maybe the, the overall point is that it's so complex yeah. and human nature and stuff, we just kill things, but it's a bit shocking. Well, yeah, because it's so, because the style of the film is so realistic, right? That's mm. what he's going for. To see that up close was just really harrowing. Mm. <laughs> I just find that really difficult. And especially as that whale, the space whale, was the only character I felt a connection to. In the yeah. whole movie. <laughs> so that was just really awful. But then there's, that leads to another point that I feel like should have been ironed out in rewrites. The fact that they found the cure for aging. The cure for human mm. aging. And it's only, what, a couple of mil? 80 mil? It was like 85 million or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Surely that should be at least a couple of billion dollars. It cures, <laughs> like, it solves aging. Stop aging. 
Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't the rich people, the like not so ones that are running the world at the moment, mm. wouldn't they like keep it very insular to themselves and pay absolutely top dollar for that? Yeah. I just feel like a regular millionaire could afford that. And that just doesn't feel true to me. I feel yeah. Also, um, mm. why is Jesse Jesse Pinkman in this movie? Who? I've written down a quote. It's called a punch, bitch, end quote. Now, I don't know who said it. I didn't attribute it in my notes. My bet's on my main man, Spider. But what are we doing with dialogue like that? Is this 2004? Well, is makes, it? Yeah, well, that's when they started making them, so, yeah. Maybe, sort of yeah. Time capsule that. One thing I found, found that was really funny, so the basic plot, by the way, is that back there... Yeah, we haven't spoken about it at all. <laughs> at last movie, everyone left Pandora because they got they were defeated... The humans, that is, humans come back and they've got more weapons and they've got other stuff going on. And they're mm-hmm. having a second go, basically, at colonizing. Let's try again. And they want to particularly kill off um, Jake Sully and his his tribe from the from the mountains in the um, forest. And so Jake's like, this is getting too much. My family's in trouble. Let's go hide out the sea people who are Navi, but just on the sea. That's yeah. pretty cool. That, that's the basic thing. What I thought was funny though, they get out to the sea folks and they're having a, they're hiding out and chatting to them and stuff. <laughs> a lot of the kids in the sea navi are like, "Oh my god, forest people! Oh my, you guys are from the forest! Like it's the worst thing ever. It's like they're bogans or something." <laughs> oh my god, you go, you went to that school? Yeah, that's so gross. I know you're a forest. You, you swing the trees <laughs> as if you would. Ugh. <laughs> uh... I I don't know. I I saw a clip online of James Cameron being like defending the first Avatar and the flying scene that a lot of the studio execs said went too long, and he's basically saying there's a there can be another reason to show things on screen that's not just narrative development, and that can be because you just want to see it because it looks cool. Yeah, the think, sense of wonder and beauty is is, is what yes. the films are about. Yeah, movies and in I think, general. Yeah, definitely in the types of movies that he makes, he makes spectacle blockbuster mm. movies. You know, and so I think I understand where he's coming from, but I think maybe he thinks that we care the same amount that he does, mm. and maybe that's true for some people. Maybe people really liked this film. I don't know. There, there was that guy who after the first film, he he got tattoos to make himself blue. I reckon he liked this one. I'm sure he was, yeah, their midnight screening <laughs> opening day. Um, but I just, I don't know, I just feel like that sort of approach, while I think it's valid, I think it, it comes across as a little tone deaf and not maybe understanding what your audience wants anymore. Like it just seems like a very sort of old-fashioned way of doing movies and we saw the Fablemans recently, which we will be doing a podcast on, and I felt feel the same as with Spielberg's movies now. They feel dated in a way because their style of filmmaking is a very particular style of filmmaking, and it no longer feels fresh and new because we've seen so much of it. Um, and I think maybe that's a bit of the why I didn't like those blockbuster sort of corny lines that maybe would have worked in the early two thousands just mm. don't ring true anymore, you know. Yeah, the audience is more sophisticated these days, you could argue. Yeah. yeah. What I think would have been cool is, like, the real strength of this film, the thing I responded to the best was the sort of third act fight sequence where it's, like, they're on mm-hmm. the water and, like, really well thought out and 
danger and you do feel for the characters and there's some there is some funny moments there um especially like there's a when brendan cow's character gets killed like that's yes a bit shocking it turns into like a slasher film for yeah. 10 minutes there yeah, it was a bit like the kids kept keep, keep getting handcuffed and the girls <laughs> like yes. oh my god this keeps happening to me it's <laughs> funny um but like you know how george miller has he had the mad max movies right and mm. he had some crazy bits in them and then for Fury Road, he's like, you know those those cool bits of my previous movies? Let's do that for the whole movie. For the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that could be a really cool thing for an Avatar film to do, would be have that danger, those action sequences, which we sort of reserve for, okay, there's one at the beginning, one in the middle, okay, and mm-hmm. crazy end sequence. Maybe mm-hmm. have the whole thing. Maybe take out the nature pit. Maybe take out the weird prologue that goes forever and just give me a, a straight-up action film from, from go to woe. You know what I've just realised? Mm. I think it's the same complaint I had about Michael Bay and his drones in Ambulance, mm. that it feels like it's showing off the technology because it's new and we want to push it to its limits and see what it can do. But maybe we don't all need to use all those things all the time. Rather than in service of story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you find a new sound effect and you want to use it all the time and then down the road you're like, okay, I'll use it sparingly when it's required. Mm. I feel like maybe there's a bit of that. It's like, let's put as much into... I don't even know if I'm standing by this opinion as I'm saying it. Well, it reminds me a bit of a screenwriting lecture I had and she was telling us about a story. She she was telling telling some students about a project they were working on Mm -hmm. and she asked them about it and they were like, okay, so it starts with this, this massive car crash and like the car flips and we've got the camera here and this is what's going to happen. And she's like, okay, what's the story though? And they're like, yeah, the car crash happens. And she's like, no, what story are you telling in your film? You're not telling a car crash. That's that's part of the story, yeah. sure. But what mm. is the actual thing that people want to go watch it for? It's not the car crash. And there's like an element, of course, of we go to the movies to be wowed by technology. But I think mm. if that's all you're going for, you might as well be, you know, that it's that um, roller coaster uh, metaphor that Scorsese had, right, about Marvel films. Which I don't yes. know if it's exactly correct Marvel films and like of course yeah. he's not the target audience for those some but it does feel like are we just watching like a, a highlights reel of the new technology as opposed to watching this movie? That's what it felt like for me. It felt it felt empty. It felt mm. like it didn't have much much to it. But then there were glimpses of that. I think you said in the beginning that there's there is a good story in here somewhere. Yeah. I just think it probably needed a few more workshops. <laughs> you know, nutting out what the actual story was and maybe balancing that narrative a little bit more because... Maybe, like, leave yeah. us wanting more rather than giving us three hours or, like, your bum gets sore. It's it's too long. I know we talk about this a lot on the pod and, like, tight 90, haha, yeah, lol, whatever. Three hours, edit yourself. Show that you can edit yourself. Restrain yourself. Like, there is so much fat in this movie that could have been trimmed. Hmm. And I know that he would probably say, oh, but they're cool and I wanted to see the cool shot. Okay, great you did it but you've lost me as an audience member mm. at least maybe you don't care about one person but i'm surely can't be the only person in the world who has this opinion well that's the thing about these movies for some reason they're popular and like with with like normies who? normies you know people who would normally go remember. to the movies will go to the movies to watch avatar and that's cool i, I like that i think that's that's interesting <laughs> like why <laughs> It's a fair point. I do remember watching the first Avatar 
with mm. my parents. We borrowed it from Block- Blockbuster. This is showing yeah. my age. Um, in Toowoomba, I think. And we all sat down and watched it as like an event that we were all watching. Yeah. Why? And <laughs> they don't like science fiction. <laughs> well, it's one of those ones, for whatever reason, it's become popular and then more folks jump on board because they want to watch the thing everyone's talking about. Yeah. And it's kind of like, why this one? And like, that's something, I guess, sort of popular films. And James Cameron is a name director. And he did Titanic yeah. and stuff. Like, still. Counter-argument. We're just haters. Maybe. Like, I don't want to hate it, though. I wanted to watch this and fall in love. Cause I, Same. There was so much talk online. I'm like, he's going to do it again. He don't bet against Cameron and stuff. And then, like, I, I can definitely appreciate all the filmmaking um, prowess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I wanted to be gripped like I can see people online and in the world. And, you know, it's made almost $2 billion. Yeah. Weird, hey? And yet people won't watch Paddington 2 because it's a children's film. I don't understand you, people. <laughs> I don't understand you. Are we going to see Wonka? We'll have to, won't we? <laughs> same, same director as Paddington as I'm getting at. It's got, yeah. Got Timmy. It does have Timmy. Oh, boy. It does have Tim Tam, who I'm going to call Tim Tam from now on. I like that. Just came to me. I'm here <laughs> for it. Quick question before we wrap up. What do you think mm-hmm. of Kate Winslet in this? shocking abysmal terrible come on i love her so much you do not understand the love that i have in my heart for kate winslet much like julia roberts kate winslet movies i've seen a lot of in my childhood all she did was have a weird accent and hiss at them and growl why why did she do that why did she just hiss and growl at them why was it so bad why was it awful why was it the cringiest thing that ever happened what? I didn't even notice it was her in my initial run-through, I should say. See, I knew that she was in it, so I yeah, was keeping an eye yeah, out for her. Okay, I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's what are your weird. thoughts on Kate Winslet being in it, Lonnie? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could have it back, I guess. It's like, I don't, again, I don't want to criticise it because, you know, I fully support technology and, and going forward and, people having a good time at movies and stuff and it's great to see people actually go to see the, see a film at the cinema mm. as opposed to just streaming and stuff which is, again it's also fine but like just basic and stuff i've seen before in, in around stuff that is kind of cool but it's just like a pretty image you know what this is reminding me of it's mm. reminding me of richard linklater's project um the one he did over 10 years boyhood thank you and I think we spoke, I don't know if we did a pot on it, but we definitely spoke about how if you come up with a story, like say 10 years ago, right, you'd be tempted to change that over the course of the production as you mm. learn new things, as you think, oh, this isn't quite working, let's substitute it for this, and about whether you stick to your original vision, which maybe comes out a bit out of date now, or whether you adapt as you're making it like during mm. the process. And I feel like this may be a similar case, right? Like if he wrote a screenplay in whenever it was 2004 or whatever and it's taken him up to this point to make the film you can't keep going back and doing reshoots and rewrites because the amount of post-production in this movie would take Mm. so long like just years on post-production and so at that point you've got to kind of stick with what you've already got don't you even if it's not very good do you know what i mean yeah i see you coming like it would be a hard thing to change course yeah yeah I'm I'm assuming he did a couple of times because there were obviously reshoots and Mm. a lot of production delays and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I mean, 
you just have to get it the thing made you have to submit it at well, the end of the day you and have also to pass it off they film two and three together so you can't really change yes. too much in two if you got three coming around but yeah exactly yeah i don't know hey like i remember thinking about this because this came first one came out in 2009 and then it was around like 2014 the next one was supposed to come out but technology and stuff mm. and you remember they released the schedule and it was like in it was around that time and it's like you know December 16 in, in 2022 we're going to get this avatar and then two years later you get the second the third avatar and whatever it's like we're thinking this far ahead in our lives and then you know it happened <laughs> when we went looking and they come yeah. out <laughs> it's like okay, this is it we watched it, it and it was fine it's done now yeah 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 I was hoping to be blown away but I wasn't you gonna rate it I mean it's hard to rate because what do you rate? Like the whole overall experience, you know, as we said, the technology and the visuals are very different to the basic plot and the acting. It's hard to gauge the acting in some ways, isn't it? You're stalling for time. I need an answer. Two stars. Jeez. Wow. Maybe three stars. Three, actually, three stars because the ending was so good. The... I was going to say, I think two stars is one of the lowest you've ever given. Yeah. No, I think. Edit out when oh. I said two stars, three stars is the end. Here's the answer. <laughs> Do you actually want me to edit that out or no? <laughs> okay, good. Um, I don't know. Too long. Ending good. It. Took ages to get there. See, I don't even think the ending was that good. I don't I don't care about action. this movie. You hate I danger. Don't, Excuse me. You know the Bourne <laughs> series is one of my favourite things that have ever been made. Um, maybe I'm going to go two and a half, just in the wow. middle. Really? I'm sorry. I appreciate what he's doing. I, I see him. I think it's great. Really happy for the journey that he's on. Mm. It's just not for me. Okay. Can we do the Roger Ebert test? Did it deliver on its promise? Even well, that's a tough question well, to answer. It's like, what's the promise? It's cool visuals? Definitely. Action movie? Yeah. Like, towards the end, yeah. Before that, no. Yeah. Well, the fact that we can't confidently answer that, I guess. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. All right, then. That's been us talking about Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll we'll go back, won't we, for number three and four. So, guess we're hypocrites. Really? Wow. I I don't know. I just, like, I I I get it. I feel like they'll do the same thing again. (laughs) They'll come out and say, this one's the best thing ever. He's saving cinema. And we're like, oh, we better go then. And they'll watch it like, oh, okay. Same as last one. (laughs) That's probably what's going to happen. You don't want to... Catch up with Spider <laughs> in two years' time? No? No. I do not. I don't want Why anything do you hate to do Is it the dreadlocks? Them? Is it the loincloth? It's the vibe. It's the overall vibe <laughs> of the character. Is it because you know men like him? Taking you back men to Men like him? Oh. oh, no, not at all. I don't think so. I just find him annoying and... <laughs> Not very. I, again, I is it because he's dirty? He's a shower? Is that what you're talking about? Probably. Okay. It's probably a combination of those three things the dreadlocks, the loincloth, and the needing a shower, let's be honest. I think he's fun. I didn't like him bonding with his dad. He's obviously an evil guy, but you know. If you can hear that water bowl in the background, I just want to be clear that that's not me taking a really aggressive drink. <laughs> that is a dog. I <laughs> thought it was you like just lapping, you're doing like dipping your feet into the pool or something. <laughs> I just thought I'd address it in case anyone's like, 
what is going on over there? How much water does one dog need? It's 40 degrees, Lonnie, a lot. Oh, fair enough, I guess. Good girl. Good girl. I'm getting kisses now. Okay. Aww. Okay. All right, well, well, thanks for listening. We've got other podcasts in the back catalogue. Follow us on Twitter. Anything else you want to say, Sine? Sorry. In advance. How? Just because I don't like it doesn't mean you don't have to. Like, you can, you can love what you love. No one's, no one's dying. It's all okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a movie. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Thanks for being here, Sine. We'll see you next time. Bye. 